Thank you for listening to TMA's Practice Well podcast. TMA, helping you improve the health of all Texans. TMA has a long, proud history of promoting patient rights, advocating for physicians, and providing real solutions for your practice. We can accomplish so much when we unite in one voice. Call the TMA Knowledge Center at 1-800-880-7955 or visit TexMed.org to find out how you can join or renew your membership today. Hello, I'm Cheryl Kroviak. I am the director of the TMA Education Center, where through webinars, publications, and podcasts with cme to go we strive to provide physicians a reliable resource to help you and your practice survive and thrive. This quick tip episode is hosted by TMA staff coding specialist, Cara Benson. Benson, Director of TMA's Reimbursement Services, where we help member physicians fight payer issues and recoup unpaid claims. My guest today is Sabrina Skeldon, the Principal Owner at Physician Practice Guidance. Mrs. Skeldon is an experienced regulatory compliance attorney and auditor and compliance consultant. CMS has made some significant changes to Medicare Advantage plan audits, and Sabrina is here with us today to help answer questions surrounding these changes. Sabrina, welcome. Thank you, Cara. I look forward to discussing this issue with you. So let's get started. Why is Medicare Advantage the focus of so much attention, specifically increased Department of Justice and Office of Inspector General enforcement actions? What are common theories underlying those actions? The short answer to your question, Cara, is that the number of Americans enrolled in Medicare Advantage plans has increased to the point where there are 28 million Americans enrolled in those plans. Also, the cost of those programs to CMS is over $430 billion as of 2022. Further, the blatant fraud schemes in this area have led to increased governmental scrutiny for physicians. There are three common areas supporting Medicare Advantage False Claims Act suits. First, instances where the payers queried Medicare Advantage patients' medical records for diagnoses overlooked as a claim during the patient's encounters. This leads to upcoding and adds high-dollar risk-adjusted diagnoses. Second, there's the improper post-encounter addenda that are being added so that high-dollar diagnoses to patient encounters can be added and that can go back as far as one year. And third, there's a failure to delete risk-adjusted diagnoses that no longer apply because conditions have resolved. And that can happen when conditions are coded from a problem list that results in coding of resolved issues. Thank you. Tell us. How does good clinical documentation help mitigate risk of government action and increase practice revenues in the context of Medicare Advantage? Compliance and revenue risks in the area of Medicare Advantage can be mitigated by two things, accurate and complete charting of all conditions actively treated by the physician and the use of linkage language so that causality between conditions can be established. 
to understand the importance of the documentation issues, you need to understand the framework of Medicare reimbursement. Medicare reimbursement is intended to compensate plans that treat sicker patient populations. It does so by using hierarchical condition categories, groups of diagnoses. It's done in an additive fashion. So to the extent the patient is sicker, their risk score increases. As that happens, the reserve for that patient's care increases over the course of a year. So that's the revenue capture side. Um, on the other side, the compliance risk is that the formula in and of itself is a formula for fraud because plans are interested in increasing the number of risk-adjusted diagnoses, racing the patient's risk scores to increase plan payments, whether or not they're supportable. In order to withstand challenges to the documentation of the conditions treated, physicians must be clear in their documentation and must clearly support the diagnosis in such a way that they can be validated. Well, what are common mistakes in clinical documentation that, if prevalent, could be viewed as a pattern of activity and serve as the basis for a Medicare Advantage False Claim Act proceeding? Well, I know that most physicians are of the view that, and they read the medical journals and the paper, and they think, I don't do anything like that. I could never be the subject of an investigation. But the fact is, they could make errors that cause them to be investigated, and they may be inadvertent, but the frequency with which the errors occur and any patterns in those errors could lead the government to make a determination that there was intent on their part in committing the errors. Specifically, where a physician might get in trouble and in this area would be if they were a party to a value-based plan and had a financial interest in plan recoveries, the common gaps or mistakes in their documentation would be in the following areas. They may fail to clearly indicate all conditions that are actively treated, and this may be because they misuse the term history of. It in itself is problematic because it captures both active and resolved conditions. It may appear to the government that the errors, the error of consistently charting and coding resolved conditions is intentional, but it may be just the opposite. It may be inadvertent. Also, physicians frequently believe coders can interpret diagnostic values or can refer back to prior encounter notes for additional information. Neither is the case, and that can lead to a gap in documentation needed to satisfy medical necessity. It would look like you just you had diagnosed conditions that lacked any support. They could not be validated off the documentation in the chart. Under what circumstances could the failure of physicians to adequately document the conditions evaluated and treated during an encounter support an FCA theory of liability? The following conduct would subject doctors to liability. Upcoding to increase the severity of risk-adjusted scores. This would happen in their own practice, you know, in a realistic setting where there's an inadvertent error where there's a lack of alignment between the charting and the coding, which results in the error. The second theory could be based on the reporting of a condition that's not 
being actively treated when in fact it's resolved. This also could be an inadvertent error. It could occur based on the physician's reliance of a problem list to establish a condition or the misuse of the term history of. All of those are common errors that physicians make. The third area is a misuse of post-encounter addenda. Addenda are intended to clarify a mistake or to add additional information as to diagnostic testing results. But under False Claims Act theories, addenda are being added six to 12 months after the initial encounter and represent one-way charting. They are only intended to add high-value risk-adjusted diagnoses. Here, and for doctors as a tip, what the government would look to in terms of evaluating the conduct of the physician is the timing of the addenda. The timing itself is the red flag. And physicians anticipate an increase in Medicare Advantage audits in the future, and what additional burden will that place on physicians? Yes, the frequency of the audits will increase, and this is, again, partly because of the cost of the program to CMS. CMS's oversight will increase. In doing so, also, the frequency to, to manage a greater frequency in audits, they'll be using targeted audits of specific CPT codes that they believe are at higher risk of misuse. Further, they may use the racks to perform the audits. Either circumstance with using a smaller sampling size or the racks will lead to more audits. The frequency of the audits will cause an administrative burden to the physicians. There is a financial risk associated with our audits in that because of the changed methodology, the fact that a fee-for-service adjuster is no longer being used and is being applied retroactively to 2018, the amounts recovered for audits in the future is going to be more significant. Because it's retroactive, and it probably applies to plan years that have had final reconciliations, a audit during those periods where there is a final financial reconciliation and the physician was a party to a value-based contract may lead to the plan coming back to the physician seeking recovery from them for the additional audit amounts. Well, Sabrina, if there was one thing that you could offer that could help physicians better document patient encounters, what would that be? I strongly suggest that they develop a clinical document improvement program that provides for continuous learning of changes in coding and provides guidance from specialty organizations, ICD-10 guidance, and other sources Further, that they perform regular chart reviews and internal billing and coding audits and create written audit reports so that they have a touch point so they can measure their own practices compliance with coding requirements. If they were to do that, and they train physicians who need assistance in improving their documentation, they will have gone a long ways towards mitigating risk. Well, Sabrina, thank you for talking with us today. You have provided us with information necessary to help physicians minimize risk by emphasizing the importance of ensuring accuracy in their medical record documentation and coding. Check back soon where Sabrina will talk more about medical necessity and lack of documentation that will put you in hot water. 
For more help on coding and billing issues, check out www.texmed.org forward slash billing and coding. Thank you for listening to this quick tip episode. Check out the episode description for the link and contact information mentioned for billing and coding help. We hope you found this episode beneficial. To receive more helpful tips, like and follow TMA Practice Well Podcast. Until next time, stay well.